Lord, we just thank you for everything that you've done for us. We just bless you, Father. We want to hear from heaven so that we can be healed in every way. And we give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. Hallelujah. Well, it's your season to seize it. Amen. In other words, this is your Kairos moment. So don't miss it. Hallelujah. Amen. I got one person that's happy. That's good. Don't miss your moment. God is not interested in why it took you so long to do a thing. He just wants you to do it. Amen. I think you can say most of us have missed it here and there. But God wants us to change our hearts and change our mind, change our way of thinking. I think this is what causes us to give up and quit. It's our thinking. Amen. So we need to change our thinking. He wants us to stop making excuses why we haven't moved on, you know, on his instructions. Because God gives instructions for everything. Amen. Before you see a manifestation, there's an instruction. How about that? So have you moved on your last instruction? Have you moved on your last? Well, that's what I'm going to ask today. Have you moved on your last? It's getting pretty quiet in this Presbyterian church. Have you moved on your last instruction? You know, all you need is one word from God to change your life entirely. Amen. So have you moved on your last instruction if you haven't repent? You know how it is we get a word from the Lord, we get a prophecy, and we sit and we wait for that prophecy to come to pass. But when you receive prophecy, you have to get with God and pray and labor over it and, and find out what's next. What do you do next to make this prophecy? You prepare for it. You know, you prepare for it. And so we need to be sure that we are, we're staying in tune with God. And how do we do that? We need to stay in the love of God. And he will give you an instruction. So we need to rise up in our mind. Amen. There needs to be a change in our thinking. There needs to be a change in our expectation. And so we need to rise up. Find out what God wants us to do. Find out what, what's in his plan. Find out what his will for our lives are. He'll tell you. All you have to do is ask. Amen. And so we need to really move when God speaks a word. We must be willing to immediately follow the instructions and do whatever it is. But quickly move when God says to move. How many of you have been like me? You know, when God speaks a word, you're trying to figure out, was, was that God? You know, we do all kinds of things like that. But we're supposed to quickly move on the word, on the last word that God has, has given us. And sometimes when we want to hear from God, that's why we don't, because we didn't move on the last thing that he told us to do. Amen. But, but anytime you get um, uh, uh, some instruction from God, there's, I mean, before you get a manifestation, of any promise, there must be instruction or there is instruction that God has given us. And sometimes we overlook it. And so I think God wants to refresh our minds, get with us, and, and just allow us to think about things and pray about things so that we can get, you know, get it right, so that we can move on into the blessing. Amen. So let's turn to John 5. <clears throat> John 5. Hallelujah. 
We must move quickly and do our part. And let's see. Let's start in verse one. <clears throat> and this is talking about the man at the pool of Bethesda that was healed. He was uh, blind for thirty-eight years. I think he was blind from birth. But it says in verse one, and after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is a there is in Jerusalem by the sheep goat. I'm sorry, by the sheep gate. A pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, meaning having five porches. And it also means mercy. In these, um, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water when whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. So in other words, when the angel came to stir up the water, whoever was sick or lame, and they said in this place or gathered around this pool, it was sick, lame, it was all kind of people who needed to be healed. So the first one that ran into the pool got their healing. Amen. And so... To me, that's God saying you have to move quickly. You have to move quickly. When you get a word from God, move quickly. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It says, for the angel went down at a certain time to stir the water. And that word, you see where it says, at a certain time, the waters were stirred. And that word time also means season or an opportunity to seize it. So I guess what I'm saying, I'm using this example to say that, number one, we need to fine-tune our, our minds, our thinking, where we'll stay on one accord with God so that when he gives us a word in season, we can move on that word quickly. So the person that quickly moved to the stirring of the waters from the, the angel that stirred the water, the person that moved quickly got the healing. Amen. And so we need to always move quickly. But I notice another um, meaning of uh, Bethesda is mercy. So God is merciful. Amen. He has mercy for all people. He wants everybody to be healed. And I think everybody could have been healed. You know and I know. They could have been healed. They could have used their faith. Amen. But anyway, let's go on to verse 5. It says, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been um, in that condition for a long time. In other words, he had been at that pool year after year after year and never moved quickly. So that to me is saying we could get our deliverance much quicker than we do. Amen. But we have to stay attuned to what God is doing, what he's telling us to do. You know, if he's given us some type of instruction or a word, we need to move on it. So this man must have not moved on what God was doing or the angel was doing because he did say that every time he tries to go, well, let's read it. Verse 7, it says, the sick man answered him and said, sir, I have no man. 
to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. But while I am coming, another steps in before me. So in other words, his impotence kept him from getting in the water quickly because somebody else would push him out the way and jump in. So these are all excuses that he's using for why he's not healed, for why he's been sick for 38 years. And see, God doesn't want us to use excuses. When we don't uh, follow up on what he has called us to do, or when we don't follow up on the last instruction he's given us, he doesn't want us to make excuses. He just wants us to do it. Repent and do it. Amen? But see, we allow that spirit of condemnation to come in and minister to us. And then the more that spirit of condemnation ministers to you, the further away from God we push. But we are supposed to repent quickly and start all over again because God is our help and our salvation. Amen. He will never leave us out there by ourselves. I don't care how much we've messed up. He is with us. Amen. But we have to learn to trust him and trust in what he is doing Trust his word. Trust in his promises. And so God always wants us to stay in the race and not quit. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's go to verse, uh, where am I, in 8. It says, Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And that was an instruction to rise. See, in other words, if you want to be healed, you have to do something to show me that you want, want this healing. You can't just say, everybody's pushing me out of the way, and I didn't get it, and now it's been 38 years. And so immediately, it says, and immediately in verse 9, the man was made well. He took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And that's a whole nother teaching, you know. But he, he came out of this situation unbroken. He was made whole. Even if it was on the Sabbath, he was, and that was against the Jewish law, but he was made whole. Amen. Whenever Jesus touches you, whether it's touching your body or touching your heart, it doesn't matter what time it is. There is not a specific day that you can talk to, to, to God. You know, it, it's that opportunity is open 24-7-365. Amen. And you can always reach him. He's never not answered when we call. He's always with us. Amen. So just receive what God is pouring out for us. You know, if he's given us instructions, rise up and take up your bed. Or in other words, rise up and follow through on the last instruction that God has given you. Because your day is now. Your season is now. God wants us to seize whatever it is that he has promised us. This is our Kairos moment, and nothing, else, nothing can take that away. Amen? That door is always open. Whenever God says it's open, it's open. So we need to step through. You know, so that word time means season of opportunity also. It's a season of opportunity. Hallelujah. And so we don't need to watch too many of these opportunities go by. God will always give us the desires of our heart. And those secret petitions, 
that we make God. He's honoring those things. Sometimes we forget about them, but he doesn't forget about the secret petitions of the heart. Thank God he doesn't. And so God is in the blessing, uh, blessing business. He's in the miracle business. He's never stopped and never will he stop. He's always there for us. So let's go to Psalm 37. Hallelujah. Psalm 37. Verse 4. And it says, delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart, those secret things of your heart. And then it says in verse 5, and commit your way to the Lord and trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. So are you following up on your last instruction? Are you delighting in the Lord? Are you committing your ways to him? Are you paying attention to your instruction of what he's telling you to do? Amen. If you don't have the right desires, sometimes people don't, well, I don't know what the desires of my heart is. Well, God will put the right desires in your heart. That's what he does. He changes hearts. He will cause you to desire what's good. He'll cause you to desire what you need. Amen. And so Jesus is telling us, to stop making excuses. Amen. Change your mindset. And I think that's the biggest problem that we have. Have a change of heart. Desire more out of life. Desire the real thing, not a plan B. Don't entertain a plan B. But desire the real promise. Desire the real thing that God has for you. It's not as hard to receive as you think. When that guy at the pool of Bethesda, when he just got tired... And when Jesus approached him, he got up and he took up his bed. Amen. He was ready. He had been ready for uh, his healing for a very long time, but he didn't have that faith that he needed to get up and move forward. But this is your seed. But he, he must have known that it was his season because Jesus came along. So when it's your season, God will move heaven and earth to make sure that you receive what it is that you're supposed to have. Amen. Hallelujah. So he'll change your mindset if you let him. You know, the Bible says to renew your mind in the word. Allow the word to renew it in Romans 12, 2. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the word of God. Amen. So we can think like him and desire what he desires. It's the real thing. So your season is the appointed time. When you will accomplish many things and whatever, whatsoever you do shall prosper. See, this is why it's good to stay in your season. When, you, when it's your season, God has all the help, the grace. Amen. He's enabling you to bring it to pass. And so it's good to, to uh, stay in your season because that's when the, the at- atmosphere is conducive to your breakthrough. And so we need to stay in God's timing and stop wasting time, but stay in the timing of God. And everything that you do will prosper. If you're in your season, your hands will prosper. Everything you touch will prosper. You know, your, your um, 
your uh, miracle is ready for you. You're able to receive your miracle with gladness. It's just a good time to stay on base with God and move in with the unction of the Holy Spirit. And see, that's what a lot of people have just forgot about doing. You know, when, when God is speaking to you, when, he, when you're waiting for the promise, you have to move by unction of the Holy Spirit. You can't count the Holy Spirit out because he's your helper. Amen? And he's there to help you make sure that you get the job done. It's never too late to pull off a miracle. Amen? Never too late because it's already done. All you have to do is walk in the timing of the Holy Spirit. If it's something that you're waiting on, make sure that God knows it. Talk to him. Don't be a stranger to him. Amen? And walk in, in, in the ways of the Lord. Walk worthy of your calling. And do whatever it is that God has asked you to do. Nothing is too hard. Nothing is too hard for us. Let's go to Psalm 1. Hallelujah. Still in Psalms. Go to 1. And I'm just thinking about some things that might. Um, Psalm 1 verse 1. Sometimes we have problems receiving or moving out in our season. And just make sure that Psalm 1, verse 1, does not apply to you. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Amen? Don't follow their advice. Don't follow their plans. Follow only the voice of the Holy Spirit and the plans of God. You know, we need godly counsel. Amen. And we don't need any other kind of counsel. So it says, who walks in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sit in the path of sinners. In other words, don't walk where they walk. Don't submit to their authority. You just can't do it and, be, and stay in your season. It won't work. It says, um, and don't feel relaxed, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Don't relax and rest with mockers. Just don't do it. Verse 2 says, but his delight in the law, but his delight in the law of the Lord, but delight in the law of the Lord. In other words, delight in God's precepts and in his instructions and delight in them only. And in his law, he mediates day and night. Hallelujah. And, and then it says, he shall be like a tree, and it's you and me, firmly planted. That's a firmly planted tree. Amen. And the tree has life in it. I like to remember that. Your tree has life. So he shall be like a tree that has life and firmly planted, planted by the rivers of water, tended by the streams. Of water that brings forth its fruit in this season. So you will always bring forth fruit in your season. If you follow God's instructions and don't have anything or don't participate with those who walk in the counsel of the ungodly, sit and see the scornful people, don't partake of that stuff. If you do these small, simple little things, your leaf shall not wither or fade away. And whatever you do will prosper. Amen. Whatever you do 
will prosper and what you are waiting on will come to fruition. Just from staying away from bad advice, you know, constant little wicked. Um, it's just um, things, just small things like that. And if you uh, fall prey to that, just repent. Repent and keep on moving. Amen. You don't have to stay in one place for 38 years. You understand what I'm saying. You can always move forth with God. Hallelujah. You don't want to miss your season because of something like this, a bad conversation or, you know, um, y'all know what I'm talking about. What you saying? Whatever. <laughs> Whatever's not of God. <laughs> Stay away from it. Amen. Don't get in, don't indulge in wrong conversation, you know, or, or, you know, anything that would not make God happy, that anything that would not please God, you don't want to have any participation in it. Why? Because it will mess your season up. It'll cause you to mess your season. Because it says here, uh, it says in verse the end of verse 3, it says, that brings forth its fruit in its season. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. If you stay away from this stuff, you will bring forth fruit in your season. And you'll be on time in your season. It says, in your season. And whatsoever you do shall prosper. Amen. You won't waste any time. Hallelujah. Now, there's all kinds of time. Amen. There's uh, the appointed time. There's uh, wasted time. There's a set time. There's a lot of time, you know. But Jesus stayed in his season. Whatever time it was, he stayed in his season. You know, some things are past time. Some things are what other kind of time? Um, you know, you just missed it, in other words. There's all kind of different times, but God will cause us to be on time every time because this is what he does. Your season is the appointed space of time, amen, set by God. Now, God always sets seasons and times, so we need to understand that. And it's why? For a purpose. It's for a purpose to uh, be birthed out of the time that he's given us. Amen. And so we need to always understand that um, that everything is on a timetable. And, and if you don't know what your season is, you could be wasting a lot of time. And so we don't want to do that. We want to stay in season. Now, Jesus was always in his season. He stayed in his season. Amen. He knew when it was time for him to do this or to do that. He even knew when it was time for his cup to be filled. He stayed aware of everything that was expected of him by the Father. And this is the way we're supposed to be. We're supposed to stay with God and keep such a close relationship that we know when time. You ever got the feeling that time is running out for a specific thing? Have you ever felt? Because that's you're aware of the timing. Amen. Like the children of Ithacore, they understood seasons and times. And we can do that too. See, time doesn't have to sneak up on, on you and shock you. If you stay in tune with God, you can always stay with the season and the timing that God has for a specific thing. So let's go to, let's see, Mark, the first chapter.
first chapter of Mark, and verse 14. And this is when Jesus started his, um, how do you say it, Galilean, Galilean ministry. Well, his ministry in Galilee. How about that? And this is when he started it. (laughs) This is when he started his ministry. So in verse 14, it says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So this is when he first started to preach the gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. So Jesus moved into his ministry declaring the kingdom and manifesting its miracles, its signs, and its wonders. So you notice Jesus was on time. Whether people wanted to hear it or not, whether people were ready to surrender their lives, uh, whether people believed that the gospel was real or that it was for them, but he was on time proclaiming, you know, the gospel of God. He insisted that John the Baptist baptize him, not for repentance, but for the Holy Spirit to come upon him. Because guess what? Jesus knew he needed the Holy Spirit also. He didn't just jump out into ministry because he was called, but he was, he was trained by the Lord, amen, and, you know, and he was taught. He stayed humble until that time. He had a three-year ministry, and he trained for 30 years. And so he did, so what I'm saying is just because we're called, we could be called to be a, uh, an apostle, a prophet, you know, a, a pastor, a teacher, or a psalmist, whatever you've been called to do, there's a training period. You can't just jump out, but most people, when they get that word, they gone. That's just the way people are. They're like a jet, but they have a crash landing if they're not ready. Amen. And so you have to be taught. Look, I look at it like this. If Jesus was taught and he didn't proclaim his ministry until he received the Holy Spirit, you know how many people are out there with ministries, they don't even believe in tongues? They don't believe in the, the Holy Spirit. That's, that's for prophets. People say that, but they have churches. I don't understand it. But if Jesus waited for the right time to launch out into ministry, what more should we do? So when, but when people get that call, it's like they're trying to run. When they should walk. You understand what I'm saying? Like they're losing ground. When the day before they weren't even aware of what they're called. I mean it makes no sense. And so when you are called or when you receive a prophecy about your future. You have to allow God to teach you. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. Get under somebody that can teach you. Amen. It's not off to the running. Off to the I don't know what to call it. But this is what people do. And, and then I'm a this and I'm a that. Some people, they're giving words, you know, everywhere. I'm, I'm just going to leave that alone. But I wouldn't want to be in that position because it's not a good place to be. It's not where God wants us. He wants us to be trained, and he wants us to be 
under leadership who can train you. You have to be under that particular uh, gift, ministry gift office. You have to be under a ministry gift office. You can't just get out there because people want to call you a prophetess or that, that means necessarily that's flesh. There's nothing but flesh, and it will lead you down a wrong place. And it's something wrong. If you think about it, it's something wrong with flesh that can't wait. Something's not right there. And the devil will do that because he likes people to crash and burn. He likes confusion. He likes to put us in, in a place where, you know, then he starts telling people, well, see, they, they just jealousy you. That's next. That's, all, that's a, you know, that's just par for the course. Or they don't want me to do that. It's just, it's crazy. But I'm telling you that God is cleaning out pulpits left and right, and that's why. A lot of people that's there shouldn't be there. Amen. So Jesus' ministry didn't start until he received the anointing. If you're called to a specific gift, you have to be anointed to do it. You know, so, and he was anointed by the Holy Spirit and power. Remember that? Power. You need that to have signs and wonders following your ministry. Now you know why most ministries don't have signs and wonders. They don't even have altar calls because nobody is anointed. Because they don't wait for the anointing. They're, they're living for a title. And people who minister to them and prophesy, they should explain these things. See, back in the day when we were trained, didn't we learn this stuff? We learned this stuff. But uh, they're not teaching. They're just saying, you're this and you're that. And, it, and it's okay. But it's like I remember so well, and that's what kept me when God was giving Pastor Barb the instructions for this ministry, she said, but who's going to teach me? Remember? Who is going to teach me? And that's the question people don't ask now. They don't ask because they, they, it's just like people have given them the, the go. And that's not a go. That's something for you to <laughs> take to God and get instructions and be taught. And be learned and all these things and wait for your anointing. But people do it without the anointing. And this is why, you know, so many, that's why the religious system is under judgment now. Not this country, not the world, but the systems are under, because the religion is a system. And they don't even, most people don't even believe in prophets, but I'm a prophet. You see what I'm saying? Well, that went out with, who was the last prophet? I can't remember. But anyway, you know, and they say all that, well, that's, that stuff is not real, but then they have that title. So we have to be very careful because we want to do what God wants us to do. We don't want to just jump out and do something that is not going to make sense. You know, it's, this, is your, this is for us. This is our protection. And I don't know how I'm getting here, but whatever. But we're talking about Jesus' ministry and what he did and how he responded to the call. Then let's go back up in verse 10 of Mark 1. We were in 14 and 15. Let's go to 10. It says, and immediate, well, let's do 9. It says, and it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting 
and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness. And so then he had time with, with, uh, with God himself. And then Satan came, you know, and all of this is when he was tip, tempted. But then in 14, we read that before. It says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying that time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So repent and believe in the gospel. And so he started, and this was the start of his ministry. Amen. And it didn't come to after the dove, after verse 10, came verse 14. And so you can't jump out and do things too soon without training. We must be trained. Who is going to teach me? Who is going to train me? That's a good thing to ask. Amen. Hallelujah. And so most people take off like a jet. We said that. And it doesn't, you know. And see, when you do that, why is this so important? Because you're not in your season. Jesus was in his season. This is why verse 15 says the time is fulfilled. I mean, this was his season. I'm trying to show you how everything in its season is good. Amen? But if, if it's something challenging, like your faith <laughs> to receive your blessing, then don't nobody jump on that. You see what I'm saying? We, we pull back. If, in other words, I'm saying this. If somebody tells you you're called to be this or you're called to be that, you jump. But when God wants you to, to work your faith for a miracle that hasn't happened yet, we pull back. Tell the truth. We pull back and say, well, God didn't tell me that. Or I don't want it. Or something like that. Because working, getting out there, jumping out there ahead of time with no training is easier than using your faith. And exercising your faith for a miracle. But it can be done. All you have to do is follow God's instructions and stop looking in the natural where you don't see anything. See, we're, we're used to, if it doesn't look like it, it's not happening. That's not true. But you have to have faith. Like Abraham's faith, we're to see to Abraham, and we have to have Abraham's faith to bring it to pass. And if it worked for him, it can work for us. And so we have to stay in it, stay in the fight. Don't bail, but stay in the fight and use everything that God, use all the tools that he's given us, like renewing your mind in the word, calling things that be not as though they are, you know, doing all of these things, trusting in the Lord with all of your heart, leaning not to your own understanding. All of these tools that God has given us, we need to use them to bring forth the miracle. And it can be done. We, we're just lazy or we're looking too much in the natural. And when we don't see it, we don't think it's there. But God has already given it to us. He's given us the necks of our enemies. He's given us authority and power. He's given us um, the dominion factor. He's done all he needs to do. All we need to do is follow instructions. And whatever it is, I'm, I'm learning 
Whatever it is that looks hard, jump on that. Do it first. Do it proud. I remember Robert Larian said, whatever looked hard and whatever looked impossible, he did that first. You know, and then the other things, they come along as time goes along. Okay, so let's go to Matthew 3. We're in Mark. Back up, go to Matthew chapter 3. Do it long, do it strong. If it, if it seems to be hard, jump on that first. And the things that involve your flesh, pull back and pray again and ask God for some instruction. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you and to lead you and to guide you. Is this the right step? Should I, you know, be doing this? Whatever it is that you have questions about, the Holy Spirit will definitely help you do them and do them on time and do them strong, that you will finish strong. We can finish strong. And that's what partly I'm talking about is finishing strong and finishing in your season. Amen? So you don't get deceived by the devil. Hallelujah. Well, that went over well, but I'm still preaching. Let's see, where are we at in Matthew 3? Okay, let's see, verse 14. Hallelujah. And it says, then John, and we're talking about John the Baptist again, and Jesus and their encounter at the baptism, it says, and John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Because Jesus said, um, I need you to baptize me. He says, you need to be baptizing me. That's the conversation. And it says, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now, um, for just it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him. So in other words, he allowed him to baptize him. It says in 16, and when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, and in him I am well pleased. And that's all we want. We want to please God. We want to do things in, in his season, do things by God's book, not by the book of man, not by our own book. But we need to do things by the book, and that means do things on time and do it strong, take a strong stand, and finish strong, and follow God's instructions. Amen? Hallelujah. Because we don't want to be... Uh, uh, we don't want to crash and burn. We, want, we don't want to shoot up so quickly in status and then fall. But we want to pace ourselves and get to the place where God wants us to be and do everything that God has called us to do. Amen. We want to bear fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, then you know that you need to go back and, and get a, another word from the Lord. Amen. We must bear fruit. Hallelujah. So let's see. So we, and I think all of these things that we're reading prove that uh, Jesus' anointing and his ministry started in the appointed time. So we have to stay on time with God. Okay, let's go back, Matthew. I mean, let's keep going to Matthew 4. 
Let's see, Matthew 4. And let's go over to 17. And it says here, from that time Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. So we can't imprison the gospel. He just preached it everywhere he went. He released that word. Amen. Because it was time. He was staying within his time. Amen. Hallelujah. So we need to understand times and seasons and stay with God. Continue to stand until it's your season to seize. You know, if it's not your season to seize it, then you continue to pray. You continue to declare. You continue to prepare for whatever it is that God has promised you. But when it's your season to seize it, when it's your Kairos moment, you come forth in full power. Amen. In other words, you don't have to wait any longer. And so as long, and see, God will always make this time for us. There's, you know, so that, this is why we don't have to rush because we know that God has an appointed time for everything. Amen. So continue to stand in what you know. Continue to pray. Continue to expect. Amos 9, 13. Things will be happening so fast your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. Prepare for that. Don't just stand back and watch to see if it's going to happen. If you're that type of person, then it, you'll never see it. But Galatians 6, 9 says don't quit. Don't stop when you're doing well. Let's, I'm going to go there. Galatians 6, 9. Don't stop. Don't quit when you're doing good. Don't get weary. Continue to move with the spirit. Move with the unction. Move with the power of God. Amen. Let's see. It says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, hallelujah, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And that means if you don't faint. Or if you don't stop, due season is coming. We need to prepare to get ready for it. Amen. So just uh, when you know that you're you when you know that you're standing for something, prepare for that thing. Prepare for it. Don't just sit, wait, and watch to see what God's going to do. It's it's our responsibility. God is looking for us to embrace His promises, His word. Embrace um, your season, whatever it is. Embrace the tools that he's given us. You know, he's put power in our mouths. Are you declaring what God has promised you? You know, what are we doing to prepare to walk into our season on time? See, it's not, it's, it's up to us. But some, some people just think it's going to see. That's why we can't wrap our head around wrong thinking. We, we have to renew our minds. If you don't renew your mind, you won't make it to your season. Because the devil, he's surely going to come in there with some other stuff and, and twisting everything. You know, he's the one that says, they don't want you to do nothing. They, whenever you hear them and they, that's the devil, because they don't even have a name. It's just, you know, it, it makes no sense. 
And so we don't listen to that voice because we're mature saints and we know better. And so what we need to do is we need to not stop, don't quit. If you want to see your season, you know, if you want to uh, see your Kairos moment, then don't quit. Stay in the game. Stay in the fight. Don't focus on the battle. Focus on, on the winning the fight. Staying in there. You know, um, doing everything that you know you're supposed to do. Do it strong and do it loud. Amen? Hallelujah. And don't let the devil take a foothold in your life. Because he'll do it. Amen. He gets the very, you know, the Bible says even the very elect will be fooled. You know, some people that know so much that they think they can't fall. Well, he'll get those kind too. You know how he gets you through pride, through pride and arrogance. And, he, and you'll miss your, your moment. You'll miss your season because you already, you already know so much. And so he, God wants us to always check in with him. He wants us to be on time. He, want, he has a due season for all of us. Amen. So you will reap if you don't lose heart, if you don't quit. So why do people quit? They quit because they're not sure or they're not convinced that God is going to keep his word. Tell the truth. They're not convinced. And the Bible tells us to be fully persuaded. Amen. You got to talk to yourself. You have to be fully persuaded that what God says he's going to do, he is more than able to fulfill it. Because he has ability from yesterday, ability and power. And so he can do all, there's nothing impossible for him. What's impossible with man is possible with God. There's nothing he cannot do. He has ability and power to get the job done. And the desires of our hearts are working together with his ability and power to get things done because he loves us so much. He wants to do great things for us just because, because we're his children and he wants to bless us. And so he has the ability and the power. We need to tell ourselves that all the time because that voice is going to speak to you. And it's going to tell you, you're not going to get that. You've been waiting for that, so you're not going to get that. Well, it's up to you. It can be 38 years, or it can be 20, or it can be 10. You know, you're going to let somebody push you aside? I have no man to push me in the water. You see what I'm saying? That's an excuse. God called it an excuse. And this is why he said, do you want to be made whole? What do you want? Well, I want the blessing. Well, here it is. Come get it right now. Amen. Now is the appointed time. You can have these things now. Amen. So it's all in how you think and what you think. Amen. So people quit because they're not sure that God is going to keep his word to them. They need deep conviction of the reality that it is impossible for God to lie. We need deep conviction. Are y'all hearing me today? We need deep conviction of the reality, or in other words, we need a reality check that God is not a liar. 
it's impossible. The Bible says it's impossible for him to lie. So if we would have that and get that in our hearts, we would not question him. And I think we would move forth in the things that he's told us to do. But we're not sure that he is going to, to come through for us. And we don't want to get upset. and We don't want to get mad because we're already mad. But we don't want to get embarrassed or whatever the devil has attached to your season of, of, of blessing. He's attached something where you don't want to pursue or don't want to go forward in the things of God. It's some fear there. So we need a deep conviction. In other words, we need to be fully persuaded that what God says he's going to do, he has the ability to do. And it's up to us. If we're thinking negatively and we're not expecting this stuff to happen and we don't think that he's going to do it, guess what? And you can't blame that on nobody but you. I'm just telling you. And I feel like I'm, I came to the right place today. Amen. Hallelujah. And so it's up to us. And this is why people quit. People quit because they don't think, they don't judge God faithful. Look, when Sarah understood that this is not a game, you can't push the, the maid to do what God has called you to do. And when she started, her plan B wasn't going to work. And she and, and uh, Abraham, I'm imagining, had some talking to do. And they came to the conclusion that we might as well trust God because nothing else is working. Amen. And so she, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, it talked about how Sarah judged him faithful because she realized like the woman with the issue, she said within herself, this is not a game. God must be behind this because nothing else is working, nothing else is moving, and I need a miracle. If, if I'm going to be the mother of many, my husband's going to be the father of many, we need something to happen here. And so she said within herself, that means that she was fully persuaded and she staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief unbelief will cause you to pause and say wait a minute now how is this going to happen you can't figure this stuff out it's a trust issue it's not a figure it out that's religion see religion wants to see everything written on paper it just does well and I want to know and it's just a, a, a confusing setup and then when it's time for your faith to you to show for you show your faith, it ain't there. Because you've been all your hopes and all your dream and your life have been tied up in religion. That fantasy life or what you thought was happening, it wasn't happening because of reasoning. And so we need to take a step backwards and just allow God to minister to our hearts and our minds. And just let him teach us what he wants us to know. In other words, we need a relationship with God. We need that closeness so we'll understand his language. Are y'all here? Hallelujah. And we won't quit. We won't stop. But we'll do it long 
We'll do it strong and we'll finish our course. But we need to take God more seriously. That deep conviction of the reality that it's impossible for him to lie, that's faith. That's called faith. Amen. And most of our faith is sleeping because we just let it sleep. We, we rather do things in the natural that God is not involved with to take care of something. Are y'all here? That's how we do. That's how we do it. I mean, you know, it's not a nice thought, but that's how we do things. Because we don't know what else to do because we have no faith in God. And especially if some time has gone, let time step in there. And we think it's too late. It's never too late. Amen. Amen. Never. I know people who have caught being called into the ministry at 70 and 80. Stepping out. You know that's true, right? I mean, whenever your time is, whenever, I look at whenever you're ripe. I'm not saying anybody have to wait that long. Because see, there the devil goes, ministering to people. I'm saying it's never too late. It's never too late. And it's never too late to get more accurate. You know, I, I think I'm getting more accurate than I was before 10 years, 15 years ago. Amen. So we live and we learn. Amen. I wanted more training. God just kicked me out there, but he don't do everybody like that. But I was under the right teaching. Amen. Where, you know, Roberts, we had a library full of books and tapes. And we had to, and we learned them backwards and forwards. And so we were under the teaching that God had designed for us, and we learned. Let's go to Titus. Titus 1. I just want to just want to look at something right there. I don't even remember what it was that I want to see. Titus 1, verse 2. And let's do, let's do one, and it says, Paul, a bondservant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, according to the faith of God's elect, and the, the acknowledgement of the truth, <clears throat> which accords, is that right? Which accords with godliness. And verse two is the one I want. It says, in hope. Of eternal life which God who cannot lie. Are y'all here today? It says God cannot lie. Promised before time began. But has in due time manifested his word through preaching. Which was committed to me according to the commands of our God and Savior. So he's teaching Titus, Paul is teaching Titus and giving him a word saying, look, God can't lie and it's been proved through the scriptures. So stay with that and you'll have a, a, a fruitful ministry. Let's go to Hebrews 6. Hallelujah. Verse 18. And it says, well, let's do 17. It says, thus... God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by oath. Are y'all here today? So he confirmed everything that he said with an oath. What does that mean? It means he can't lie. 
And we just read in Titus 2 that he is not a liar. Amen. So, and let's see, where am I at? So by two immutable things, which is, which it is impossible for God to lie. And the two, and might have, and we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Amen. This hope we have as an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Are y'all here? This hope can enter, it can go past the veil and represent us. Amen. This is really good. Hallelujah. And it says, verse 20, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And he was the priest of the Most High God. So, in other words, it's saying this. The word of God cannot be altered. It's immutable. Nothing has changed. Nothing can alter it. And God cannot lie. He is not a liar. Amen? It says it's impossible for him to lie. And we need to have strong consolation. In other words, this stuff needs to be written in blood across our hearts. That we will by no means ever think that God is not able to bring something to pass if he said that's what he's going to do. We will never accuse him of not being able to do something because that would just be a lie. Amen? So we need strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. So in other words, what are we saying? We're saying hope is an anchor, and it will hold you. And there's no reason why we can't hold on to what God has promised us until we see the manifestation, because it's already done. God is waiting on us to get our mindset to a place where we can receive. So whatever God has promised you, you need to be fixing, fixing stuff up. To, to get it, to prepare for what is, you know, for what's coming. See, if you really believe it's coming, you'll prepare. There'll, there'll be changes in your house. There'll be changes in your mind. There'll be changes in your heart. You prepare for what you want. And it's coming. Why? Well, how do you know? Because I just read that it's impossible for God to lie. And that's why we need a strong consolation. Amen. And so what we need to do is start to prepare. We need to prepare. If you've been preparing, prepare more. Go even stronger in what you are believing. Are you declaring? Amen. Are you decreeing? Amen. If we're not deeply convicted, that it's impossible for God to lie, and we'll think he does. And we'll start to live like that. We'll start to bow to that. And we'll think that it's nothing in his power that's going to fix what we need to have fixed. We'll start to live like that, and that's living the lie. 
And then guess what? Here comes the anger. Here comes the bitterness. He get, and it's just, and then a long list of other stuff. Man, but this is how it works. I was there for many years. I'm not going to lie about it. Because I thought God was just, you know, telling me to do something that would have no effect in the long run. And so we have to correct that with repentance. We correct it by changing our minds. You know, renewing our minds in the word of God. Allowing God to come in with with um, a, a relationship, a personal relationship. Not just this God. You're my father. I know that. It's, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about that pure personal relationship that gets more personal than your, your husband or wife or your best friend. It goes beyond that. Amen. And so we need to learn how to get, get God to confirm these. To, he'll confirm things with signs following. But all we need to do is start to trust. We have to trust him. Amen. So we need to be deeply convicted or fully persuaded. We need to know that we know that we know that if it ain't here, it ain't time. And if it's time, then we messed up. God didn't. God is on the, he's not even on the list of thoughts. Because he's pure, holy, honest, and good. Amen. Hallelujah. And he's got everything right there for us. But I'm telling you, it is your season to seize Whatever it is that God has for you, it is your season. Hallelujah. Amos 9, 13. Now, there it goes. See the devil saying something else. I can feel it. And, it's, and throw Amos 9, 13 in his face. So what about that? God's giving us Amos 9, 13. And, and people are seeing it. So you can't say it's not happening. And we have a visual. One thing fast on the hills of another amen i'm glad for that visual i'm glad for that because it's reminding me hallelujah another reason people quit because they're not willing to wait ouch people are not willing to wait but that ain't god or they'll put some kind of label on it god wouldn't do that to me why not your attitude is listen to your attitude Amen. He, he, he would do it. Because when you are going to receive something for God, you create that atmosphere. And when you create, create a right atmosphere, your attitude, you check that in at the door. Amen. Because you're renewing your mind, renewing your heart, renewing your strength. If anything, we get more humble. We get sweeter. Amen. Your faith gets stronger anyway. Well, I gave up because my faith wore out. Faith, faith don't wear out. We talked about this yesterday. It gets stronger as time goes on. If yours is not doing that, you need to get on your face. It's a you thing. It ain't a him thing. It's a you thing. Amen. So people quit because they get, they're not willing to wait. You know, once you tell the devil, I will wait forever. When you have that conversation with him, your time will shrink. But see, if he knows that you want something so bad right now that you're not willing to put in the spiritual time that you need, he's going to run you and dribble you like a ball. 
I'm just saying. I'm just telling you what I'm feeling. And so you, if you're not willing, if you have waited, then start here. Don't start all over. Repent and get back in there in faith. See, this is one thing about faith I know for experience. You can, you can be in faith and you can be out of faith. Be in faith. You know how doubt and unbelief come and you back up and you say, now what is this? But it's one thing about faith. You can always start again. And you don't have to start at the beginning. You don't have to start at the beginning. You can pick up where your faith got ran cold. Or pick up where you start letting the devil talk to your brain. And you repent. See, most people ain't going to repent because they want to be right. And it's like, what do you have to prove? God already knows who he is. So what are you doing? And, and so, I, you know, we, you don't have to waste any more time. God will take you and set you right in a place where you can pick up and receive blessings and blessings and blessings. And so this is our moment. Amen. Believers that give up have never developed the force of patience. See, this is why people are not willing, some people are not willing to wait. They haven't developed the, the force of patience. And you know, remember that scripture says, in patience, um, it leads to hope, hope that cannot, What I can't think of that scripture, but y'all know the scripture I'm talking about. We need to develop our patience. Because you just bite all your nails and I don't know what else. Pull all your hair out and just do everything waiting. And that's not a good place to be. But the good thing is we don't have to be there. And, yeah, I've been, I've been all, all in places, okay? But I knew it was me, and I knew there was some kind of disconnect. And so God can always fix things. He can build us up. He don't let us stay down. All we have to do is be willing. Amen. Hallelujah. So we have to be fully persuaded like Sarah. We have to change our expectations. And if you're not willing to wait, some this is I, it's not even a wait thing anymore because your season is here. You need to be willing to get straightened out. Be willing to allow God to straighten things out. For you. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's go to, let's flip over to Hebrews 10, verse 35. And it says, therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. God has not forgotten you. Amen. It says, for you have need of endurance. So after, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Hallelujah. So you have need of endurance. Well, how do you get endurance? How do you endure? By casting, not casting away your confidence. Don't fling it away. Don't throw away your confidence in God. And understand that God has ability and power to bring forth a miracle. That's what he does. He brings forth miracles, but he does it through us. Well, what do I have to do? Change your mind. Change how you think. All of that nervous thinking. You have to put that on a shelf. Well, how do I do that? Renewing your mind in the Word. 
Renew your mind in the word. Change how you think. It can be done. It's very easy. The third reason I believe people quit is they don't spend enough time fellowshipping with God. They don't spend enough time in his word. I mean, you read the word. Not talking about reading the word. Talking about fellowshipping. Talking about exchanging thoughts. Getting ideas. And being, allowing the Holy Spirit to put you at peace. Does that make sense? You know, receiving everything that God has for you. Peace, love, joy. Where you're not worrying. You're casting your cares upon him because he cares for you. You're allowing God to take up, you know, your problems. So you don't have to deal with it because you don't. Because you're redeemed. You're redeemed. You don't have to deal with stuff like that. We're the redeemed. Amen. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. So I believe these are the reasons people quit. Increase your fellowship time. You can fellowship with God in your car. You know, it'll make a a long trip shorter. (laughs) Amen. So get ready. Get ready to abound in the blessings of God. And simply refuse to quit. You don't have to quit. You don't have to. Just refuse to quit. Amen. Now, Joseph was sent. In his season, just like Jesus was sent, he was sent in his season. And he knew uh, that the dove would would come over him, the the Holy Spirit would take him over, and then he was off to his ministry. So he was on time. Now, Joseph was sent in his season. Amen. And uh, and it, it, it happened when he was revealing who he was to his brothers. So let's read about that, Genesis 45. Then I'll be done. Genesis 45 and verse um, verse 5. 45 verse 5. And it says here, but now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me. This is, this is Joseph's conversation with his older brothers. He says, for God sent me before you to preserve life. So in other words, Joseph is saying this. It happened for a purpose. God wasn't in, uh, he had no part in the devil's mischief in this whole thing but god worked it out but he had a purpose in all of this this stuff and he says that it was to preserve life amen with food and supplies you know the story you know he became the person that all of the grain and all of the food was stored and it lasted for three years because the famine was three years And so he was trying to explain to his brothers, there's no hard feelings. Yeah, y'all dumped me in a hole and (laughs) tried to kill me, sold me as a slave, had blood sprinkled on my coat, took it to daddy, told daddy the animals ate me, but it's okay. Don't worry. I forgive you. (laughs) 
And so this is what he was saying. He was trying to break this thing down better than what it looked like in the natural. So he was saying, look, I forgive you because God used me in this bad situation. He didn't cause it, but he used it. And he used it to preserve life for you. Amen. He says, I'm the one that preserved life for you. Hallelujah. And in verse 6 it says, for these two years, the famine has been in the land. And there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor, nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity. And that word means um, a posterity, a people. So a remnant. It means remnant. So a remnant will be saved. Amen. So he says, um, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So it's three things that came out of Joseph's terrible life as a baby brother. And it was one, to preserve life, you know, by being over the, the food. I mean, he was running this place. Amen. Number two, for a posterity, for the people, a remnant. And number three, for great deliverance of the people. Amen. So these are the things that that um, Joseph, how can I say, he endured, he conquered, he went, he conquered, and he endured. <laughs> but he was in his season, and this is what, being in his season, because he could have ran, he could have quit, he could have just disobeyed God, he could have fell prey. To Jezebel's plot, amen, and succumbed to that. But he didn't. He stayed strong. He finished strong. And he looked at the good that a bad situation uh, caused because he was in his season. And see, when you're in your season, God will reveal it. Uh, he was in his season. Let, let me read verse 4 of 45. Did we read that? No, I'm going to read it. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Why did he come? Okay, thank you. Why did he confront them at this particular time? Because he was in his season. Like the children of Issachar. He knew time. He could read times and seasons. He knew it was time for the revelation to be, re, for it is to be revealed. He knew it. He says, but now, I'm reading verse 5 again. But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. So in other words, something good came out of this because I hung in there. I didn't quit. I didn't get mad. I knew God still loved me, although I was confused and didn't know what was going on. But I, I had that relationship with him where I knew he was going to do something. I didn't know when and I didn't know how, but I knew he was going to do something. I knew he hadn't leave, left me. And I know that God has power and authority 
an ability to get the job done. So that's why you don't quit. You don't quit. You take a stand and you hold it down. In other words, you, you hold ground. When um, troops are sent out, when they're uh, fighting, and they, they go out and they, they're fighting that on, on the land, you know, one-on-one -on -one combat, however you want to put it. They don't run, but they hold ground. And what that means is they stay in the fight until there's not another enemy left. You hold ground. You don't get up and run. Amen. And so by the same way, when we're in, a, in, in this, this um, thing with God where we're, we want to uh, receive the blessing that we've been waiting on, you don't quit. You take hold. And taking hold means to stand firm. And you don't, you don't leave. You don't quit. You hold ground. Well, I've been here. I've been doing this for 10 years. Do it 10 more. Because I'm telling you something. When you let the devil know you'll stand forever, he'll leave you alone. Because, see, you, you got to work, work at him. You got to hit him with your best shot. Just like Jesus did when he was being tempted of the devil. He hit him with the word. And this is what we need to use more spiritual tools instead of natural tools all the time because we want to be in the flesh but we need to use more spiritual tools so that we'll hit the bullseye and make the devil leave us alone amen wish we had never the, we need to make the devil wish he had never been born amen and i'm telling you like god the generals that have gone on uh before us we need to uphold what they did and 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 take pattern after them because this is the life that we must live you know and warfare is is a great exercise for faith <laughs> a lot of people don't like it but you in the war whether you like it or not and so you must fight and you cannot fight if you quit so don't miss your season amen so why don't we stop hallelujah father we do thank you amen we thank you and we praise you and we live <laughs>